To listen to Memory Card episodes early and ad-free, consider supporting the show via Patreon at patreon.com memcard. Hey there, video game fans. I'm Ben Bertoli, and this is Memory Card. With Push Out working on a new project, I have the pleasure of bringing on some outstanding new guest experts. And yes, I mean experts plural, which is something that we've never done in the past. Joining me today are game developers and brothers, Adam Vian and Tom Vian, as well as game illustrator and art director, Catherine Unger. How's everybody doing? I'm great. Thanks for having us. Yeah, lovely. Thank you very much. I'm good, thank you. Mine is internet problems. Oh, well, that happens. We're okay with that. Now, we obviously, people who listen to this show regularly know that we record uh, weeks, if not months, in advance. And, you know, it's July here, early July. But uh, what what's everybody been playing lately? What's, what's everyone's current obsession? I'm still playing Elden Ring. Um, I kind of wish I was finished with it by now because it's becoming <laughs> slightly torturous. I'm trying to do it with no summons, no magic, no co-op. Oh, wow. And I'm on the hardest boss. And it's <laughs> some kind of horrible self-imposed punishment every night trying to beat this boss. But I'm having fun, quote-unquote. Well, that's the most important thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I'm also playing Resident Evil 1 Director's Cut on my PlayStation 1, which is like the opposite end of the spectrum. I play a lot of PlayStation 1 games and PlayStation 2 games. It's kind of just for fun. So I'm enjoying that as well. It's a lot more slow-paced and relaxing, if you can imagine such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Even with all the zombies and horrible creatures. Oh, yeah. Way more relaxing than Elden Ring. I mean, literally anything is. <laughs> I think that's why I won't play that game. Yeah, it just looks like stress. <laughs> uh, I'm playing the great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Very nice. On the 3DS or mobile? No, this is the new one on the Switch. Is it new? Oh, the Switch, right. Yeah. It's a port of an iOS game from years ago, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the newest one on the Switch. No, it was a port of a Japanese 3DS game. Sorry. Yeah, yeah that's right. Or two, two Japanese 3DS games. I didn't know that. <laughs> I just saw it in the store and I was like, I want to play a detective game. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it's really good. It's great. Tom, what about you? I uh, I have a, a newborn in the house, mm. so I, I need to go gentle on myself at the moment. Any extra stress is to be avoided. So I've gone back to Pokemon Snap hey. as a really nice, gentle thing. But I've set myself a challenge to be the best there ever was. <laughs> I, I'm about to crack the top 500 in the world. No way. For the Pokedex score. And I still have a ton of room left to go. Like I've got a bunch of bronze and silvers I need to ah. crystal up. So this is the new Pokemon Snap. This is the new Pokemon Snap on the Switch. Yeah. I've been really, really enjoying just sort of slightly obsessing about it in the most gentle way possible <laughs> in my spare moment. So. I love that game. I played it's it to so death. Nice. It's yeah. so good. Yeah, and they've just, uh, in the past, gosh, month or two months, they released the original on the Nintendo Switch Online. I know, uh, yeah. Tom, do you remember we played that together, I think, in one evening? Yes, I we back in the day. through the whole thing. I it's mean, actually not... why we bought an N64, because we couldn't resist it. Yes, absolutely. We got a pre-owned N64 with Pokemon Snap and I think <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was our first Nintendo console. So. Is that the one where there was a Pikachu version of Nintendo console? There was definitely a Pikachu N64, yeah. I don't know. Well, we didn't have that. We weren't cool enough to get that. That was with the Hey You Pikachu game where you could, like, talk to Pikachu. The little oh, yeah. Yeah. 
That's that's the game we never got because famously it doesn't work with uh, UK regional accents because they're too weird. Oh, right. I don't think probably, I knew that. Probably would work with our sort of fairly fairly mm, neutral southern maybe. accents, but yeah, they never came to the UK. Here in the states, you could go to Blockbuster uh, Video Rental and you could print out the Pokemon Snap stickers from your game cartridge. Could, did you guys have the ability to do that? No, we never got that either. I don't think. No, we never had any of that stuff. <laughs> we would read yeah. about like, oh, you can get a Mew from an event, and then ne- the event would just never happen. Like <laughs> the event would be in London on one day, and then that would be it yeah. for yeah. the whole of the UK. It's understandable. Oh well. Yeah, I never lived I never lived really near any like super big cities growing up. So even if I wanted to go to events like that, I was like, yeah, I, I can't get there. I'm too little. Can't yeah. drive. All right. Well, it's good to know that you guys are, are still deep into games, new and old. But uh, we're here to talk about games that you guys have actually created. So let's get this episode rolling. So let's take a step back here and just kind of talk about everyone's history with video games as a whole. How did everybody get into games as a kid or whenever it was that you really, you know, picked them up? Well, Tom and I, I'm going to answer for Tom, I'm sorry, because we grew up in the same room. (laughs) Yeah, no, please do. It's going to be exactly the same. We had a ZX Spectrum, which is a fairly UK-specific home computer, which we played. And we had a Mega Drive 2, on which we played you know, Sonic and more Sonic and more Sonic. So that was our up- upbringing. <laughs> and then later in life, we got a PlayStation and a N64, as previously mentioned. Um, but I also grew up around adventure games. So we played Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis and Monkey Island on our dad's computer. So that's one of the inspirations for future work going in at a young age. I could see that. I just used to go around my friend's house because I couldn't afford a SNES. <laughs> I just played their games until one Christmas I was able to get my own. Um, and then I played, I think I could I could only have like two get like two games a year, like my birthday and Christmas. So I just buy like, <laughs> I'll just get really obsessed with like two games for the whole year. <laughs> and then, yeah, now like as an adult, the novelty of buying a game is is not, not as, I mean, it's always fun, but it's, you don't get that same kind of excitement and investment, but yeah. Did you have a SNES in the end, Catherine, when you were a kid? Oh yeah, I got, I, eventually I bought one. I was inspired. Because we never did. We never got a NES or a SNES. They just no. never occurred to me to as a thing. And I, I didn't really know anyone with one. Nope, it's all Mega Drive in my neck of the all, woods. All my friends had Nintendos. Yeah, oh, mine did too. That's and weird. PCs. I knew very few people that had the uh, Genesis or I think Mega yeah, Drive for you guys. Same thing, yeah. yeah. No, it's weird, isn't it? It's like a regional variation, yeah. honestly. Mm-hmm. Really strange. Everyone had a PlayStation 2, though. Like, everyone. Oh, yeah, by that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it was a DVD player as well. Of course, all the adults bought it because it yeah. was the first DVD player. Genius move from, mm-hmm. from Sony. Well done. <laughs> Yeah. Is there a, a game for the Super Nintendo that you remember, you know, putting all of your time and effort into as a kid? Um, it sounds really like stereotypical, but it's probably like the Super Mario All-Stars. I guess that's like every Mario game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to buy a game. Yeah, I did. I do remember have a really specific memory of going to Blockbusters and renting the Jurassic Park game for the SNES. Mm-hmm. And like I only had it up one weekend, but it was very it's really visceral to me and I remember it quite a lot. 
dying a lot as well. It was really hard. Oh, sure. Yeah, it was a really hard game. My grandpa, of all people, had a, a Game Gear, and he had the Jurassic Park game for that, and I remember playing that a lot wow. at his house. I must have taken a lot of batteries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he didn't like it when I came over for that exact reason. <laughs> Use up all the batteries. All right, so um, how did it all? How did it come about that everybody here got into making games? Why don't Why don't you guys start us off, the brothers here, since you work together? Sure. So we started off. I guess we started off making animations rather than games. Um, We Mm -hmm. we came across a website called Newgrounds.com and really enjoyed the Flash animations found there and managed to find a, a demo copy of Macromedia Flash. And I had a, a laptop that I'd borrowed from the school for the summer. And we ended up trying our hand at making animations with, you know, varying success. But I you know, <laughs> I think they were pretty, considering it was our first time doing anything like that, I think they ended up pretty well. But they were video game parody animations. They were Metal Gear Solid parodies, Smash Brothers parodies. And in fact, our company name, which this day is, this, these days is SFB Games, mm-hmm. it used to be Super Flash Brothers. And I think our second animation ever was a super smash brothers parody so there's a weird lineage there. yeah and then it just sort of naturally evolved from using flash Uh, i was learning web programming anyway sort of you know php and html and javascript Mm -hmm. in their nascent forms and flash scripting just sort of happened naturally at that point Mm. initially just so i could learn to add some interactivity to our cartoons but then yes started making games i remember the the moment it became something you could call a job because mm. we did it for free for years as just a hobby right just for fun no no money changing hands at all and then one day we realized we wanted to make a game that had its own music so we were like oh we have to ask a composer to make the music <laughs> and obviously <laughs> then the next problem was oh the composer would need paying so what are we going to do we haven't got <laughs> any money so it was suggested that we look for um sponsorship and one of the companies doing it was armor games mm. which is another flash game portal website so we were like oh let's talk to them and then we signed up with armor games and made games for them for years and then moved off into iOS, Steam later on. So how old were you guys when you first started like officially making games full time? It was after I came back from university. So I would have been for, for as a job, it would have been, you know, when I was 21, I guess. Okay. And Adam, they, you would have been 18 then at that point. Yeah, that sounds about right. So I think you were still at home for your foundation year, right? Uh, Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. So it was just after I finished, let's say, high school and when I was in a one-year foundation college, I started making small amounts of money from Flash games, basically. Oh, yeah. Like tiny, tiny, tiny amounts, but still. Well, for an 18-year-old, any income is exciting. I'll tell you that. <laughs> this is it. Getting paid to make games was <laughs> unthinkable until that yeah. moment. So, Very cool. So, Catherine, how did you uh, end up in the in the biz? Well, my background's yeah, I guess like similar to Adam in that, well, like I got kind of into art as a child and then like that moved into like the digital space quite soon. So I got really into Neopets oh. and then I saw that everyone was drawing on like digital art on there. So I wanted to do that too. And then eventually went to uni to study illustration and animation because um, initially I wanted to uh, pipe dream like animate for Disney. <laughs> I, hadn't let, I hadn't let go of that uh, dream yet. It's a solid dream. 
And actually on that course, that's where I met Adam. Mm. During the course, you can actually, you can specialize between illustration and animation. And I, actually, I specialized in animation, obviously. But then by the end of the course, I realized I hated animation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, And then I was just like, well, what am I going to do? Um, but I still want to do art. But So, yeah, I was thinking about games. And like it was actually the point where mobile games had started to pick up. Angry Birds was out and everyone was playing it at parties and stuff. <laughs> and it was all 2D art. And I was thinking, well, okay, this is something I can probably do with my animation skills as well. Um, and so I, I decided to start pursuing that. And at some point, I think within the kind of 12 months after uni, Adam gave me a job to work on <laughs> Secret of the Swamp. Mm. So I don't know if that's a segue, but yeah. No, that's a great segue, yeah. <laughs> so now it's funny because when I'm looking around the internet at you know Detective Grimoire as a series, yeah. some people say there's three games, some people say <laughs> there's two games and a prototype. Mm -hmm. uh, it changes depending on the day of the week. That you ask. Yeah. So the first one came out in 2007, I believe, is what I have yeah, in my notes. Um, that's right. But that's not officially the first game? Well, okay. So, I mean... What's the word? <laughs> <laughs> I really have never decided on this. As it stands, the first game, which is just called Detective Grimoire, is a Flash game we released on Newgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I would say it is definitely non-canon. It's just a thing that we made. Okay. So, and then, um, so that came out in 2007. And it was very much just inspired by Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Oh, okay. Which I've looked it up and it came out the previous year. So we didn't waste any time copying that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we literally were like, let's make a game where you talk to people and there's a mystery. Because that's what we enjoyed in Phoenix Wright. So we're like, okay, great. Okay. And then looking at the dates, 2014 is, is when Secret of the Swamp came out. Mm, so there's a long yeah. gap. But we started development in 2010 right. for that. In wow. the end, and it just it took a long time because it started off being basically Armor Games approached us and said, and, you know, we were already working for them at, the, at that point, but they approached us and said, "How would you feel about doing a, another Detective Grimoire game?" Which they they sponsored the original one, but this time on mobile because mm. in 2010, you know, the App Store was just opening up to developers, and it was the new hotness, and so. Initially, you know, we started making the game back then, and I went off and started to try and learn how to make mobile games instead of Flash games. And then eventually Flash caught up with the world and started to be able to make mobile games with Flash. So I then sort of started again on my end. But obviously everything Adam and Catherine were doing was still applicable at that point, you know. Yeah, so I guess the, the big difference is that I had been to university in between, the, let's say, the first Grimoire game and Secret of the Swamp. So my art had gotten mm -hmm. more sophisticated, my tastes have gotten more sophisticated. And what happens is if you wait long enough, you basically just hate all your old work and don't really want to look at it. <laughs> that, that probably happens pretty instantly for me. Yeah, this day, these days it takes about a week for that to happen. That's good, that's a healthy thing. <laughs> Um, so it was a case of like, okay, let's sort of start again and pretend like the other one doesn't exist. And this time it's going to be great. And roping in Catherine to do background art was one of the sort of big steps that made it feel like it was a brand new thing that was going to be on a new level from before, for sure. For those who don't know, who, those who have never played these games, can, can someone describe what the detective grimoire, you know, games are exactly? Sure, yes. So they are mystery detective adventure games. And basically, there are a number of suspects, and there's a murder victim. And the gameplay is primarily 
walking around a little enclosed space and having conversations with the suspects, finding clues and deciding who, which one is guilty of murder. And then I guess accusing them and then the game ends, something like that. <laughs> so they all follow that same skeleton. And like I say, it's inspired by the Ace Attorney genre where you mostly just talk to people, but we don't have the courtroom. We don't have any of that stuff. It's just you walk around and talk to people and it's primarily conversation driven. And then as the years went by, we added more things into it like puzzles, like you might find in Professor Layton. So the games became a bit more meaty in terms of gameplay. Yeah, I've seen a lot of reviews and you know just people um, talking about the game online that compare Ace Attorney and Professor Layton. You know that that it's like mm -hmm. a mix of both of them, along with some of the you know inspirations of old you know LucasArts games. You know, point mm. and click, the classics. Yep. Did you guys ever play any of those? You know, older point and click adventure games, or was this purely Layton and uh, Phoenix Wright? inspiration um yeah so we played lucasarts games growing up like i said uh, we played fate of atlantis oh, right. and monkey island and I uh, tom played the dig i think which was the a favorite dig, of his. day of the tentacle uh, yeah a lot of those all of those really great games so we had that in our minds and i actually think that like the detective grimoire series is sort of genre wise it's closer to phoenix Wright, but with latent puzzles but in terms of tone it's actually doing kind of a monkey island pastiche mm -hmm. where the comedy comes in and the characters are kind of flippant and it's a bit silly so I, it, it really is a combination of all of those things at the same time we're gonna put things on a pause for a moment to hear a word from our sponsors memory card that's us that's right we're our own sponsor and if you'd like to support us, you can leave a four or five star review on the podcasting platform of your choice or follow us on Twitter at MemCardShow. But Ben, what about our fantastic patrons? Of course, of course. In fact, our wonderful patrons over at Patreon are really what make this show possible. And if you are feeling extra supportive, you can head over to patreon.com slash memcard. Every single one of our patrons gets access to early and ad-free episodes, Higher tiers include bonus episodes, shout-outs, stickers, and more. We certainly hope you'll check it out and consider becoming one of our lovely patrons. Once again, that's patreon.com slash M-E-M-C-A-R-D. What's our sticker for this season, Push? Well, since it's our eighth season, we actually have this wonderful little robot, Octorok. And it was actually illustrated by my friend, uh, Midoribin. You can follow her on Twitter at Midoribin underscore art. Very cool. Eight legs for eight seasons. I like it. I like it. Well, thanks for taking the time to hear us out. Let's go ahead and get back to the show. So in 2019, you guys had the newest, I would, I, I guess you could say, Detective Grimoire game, which was called Tangle Tower. And this was something that was recommended to me by a friend who uh, bought it, I think, the day it came out for the Switch, which was like later 2019. And I'm, you know, historically, I'm not huge into point and click puzzle games. It's not really something that I grew up with, but I just loved it. My wife and I took turns uh, controlling the game and, you know, we were just kind of blown away by the art style and the music and the witty banter and all the details. I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to you guys and, and get you to come in and talk about the game because, you know, I just, it, it's... A decently short game. I, I think I spent five or six hours on it, but mm -hmm. it's just such a fun, interactive, you know, uh, immersive world. Well, thank you. I'm really glad you liked it. How did you? How did you guys come up with the uh, character of Detective Grimoire? 
from both a design uh, you know, standpoint and a character standpoint. He's basically just your traditional like trench coat detective gumshoe guy. And in fact, there's a trench coat wearing detective in Ace Attorney called Gumshoe. And I guess he's kind of inspired by that. If you look at the hairstyles, he's actually kind of similar as well. But then I basically said, oh, what if he had the personality of Guybrush? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so actually, um, back to, back to, going back to Newgrounds for a second, like I played a game called Legend of Pliskin, which no one has heard of, <laughs> by a guy called Holy Howard. And it was just a random adventure game on Newgrounds. I was just clicking around. And it was okay. It's not life-changingly good or anything. It's, it's pretty good. But it had voice acting by um, Edwin Tiong as the main character. Mm -hmm. And I just remember sitting there thinking, oh, wait, this guy, his voice is so perfect for a point-and-click protagonist. Like, he has the right cadences, the humor. This is amazing. If I ever make a grimoire game with voice acting, this is the guy. And then the character basically kind of emerged from Edwin's performance, I I would say, in terms of his personality. Mm -hmm. So credit to Edwin for that. So in terms of the actual design of the characters, I, I noticed quite a jump as far as uh, you know character design was concerned from Secret of the Swamp to Tangle Tower. Was that something that you both worked on or something that Catherine worked on or was she mainly on the background? What was the, what was the mix there? I would say the biggest reason for the jump is that Catherine got involved with the character design for Tangle Tower, where she wasn't really involved with it for the previous game. Okay. I can't remember how that conversation came about. Because I think I was just working on backgrounds before, right? Yeah, I think I just knew how good you were. And I was like, I'm going to use Catherine for as much as I can since I've got her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I, I think like Adam had made initial, he like, like you always do, you kind of make initial sketches of the characters. And then I will come and do my own, with the descriptions plus the sketches, do my own version of what I think they should look like, which... I think at the time it was quite terrifying because I'm basically taking Adam's vision and then going, well, here's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then doing like a couple of sheets of paper of different characters. And then it would basically be that, like a back and forth yes. between me and Adam, slowly developing the characters. I think it's an amazing way to design a character because you're basically trying to... <laughs> I don't want to say it's like two artists trying to impress each other, but there is a sense that you're trying to push it you know, as far as you can in order to see where you get to. And Catherine and I bounce off each other quite well. So the Tangle Tower characters are a real collaboration. It makes the whole process a bit more exciting as well. Like that playfulness and being able to draw something, hide it away and then then show the other person and go, look what I've done. (laughs) But yeah. Now, obviously, I don't want to give away anything to do with uh, Tangle Tower's mystery, but is there a specific character that you designed that you really loved a lot from you know that group i i have to say just immediately i would say poppy the uh pianist goth because i don't know just the idea that she's this big blob of hair that sits on a stool we had so many wacky ideas of her where initially she was completely hidden inside of her hair and she wouldn't talk to you until you convinced her to like come out (laughs) (laughs) all that stuff gets spoiled away but i just really like her um the archetype of her and the performance by faye Marta is really good and the animation by Jonathan Harris where she she kind of hunches down and the hair like ripples out is kind of the coolest thing in the whole game so I would have to say Poppy as a whole is is a real success story in terms of character design. I really enjoyed Penny because I think she's just got such a strong personality that I found quite fun 
playing around with on paper and coming up with scenarios or poses that she would kind of make. Yeah. A, a part of me really likes Flora as well, just because of the simplicity. <laughs> Flora is the weirdest character shape we've ever gotten away with. <laughs> if you, I have to constantly <laughs> remind myself that it's possible to design a character as weird as Flora and not be hung for it. Like if you look at her, she's all neck. Her arms are at the bottom of her body. <laughs> her entire outfit is just one black shape with no details. It's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like if you saw her get into a shower, it would be quite. <laughs> Don't imagine. It would that. be quite a sight. <laughs> you almost want to like grab her and like shake her like a bell. Like that's what she reminds me of. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like a bell. Ding ling ling. Here she comes. I I thoroughly enjoy how optimized her sprite sheet is. It's it's mm, literally just one body piece. <laughs> All hair, nothing but hair. Like the hair takes up flowing. the animation by Jonathan Harris of her hair blowing in the wind is like her entire sprite sheet. Is that one animation? <laughs> it's so funny. Like that is all she does. She doesn't say much. Yeah. No. And we we get away with a lot with her as well. Like she's the first character you meet. Yeah. But she doesn't speak to you. She doesn't have a voice actor. She's, she's like, the <laughs> easiest character to cast. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Secretly, secretly voiced by Tom. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, go on. <laughs> so now you keep mentioning an animator, so I take it that Catherine didn't want to go back to her Disney dream of animating this game? <laughs> both Catherine and I technically have an animation degrees, mm -hmm. um, but I think we would both say that our biggest skills lie elsewhere. But um, Jonathan Harris, the animator that we hired for Tangle Tower, also went to the same university as us, so we knew him through that. Um, and really, it was a case of um, the quality of everything in Tangle Tower was going up and up and up. Catherine's art was so good. Raphael's music was so good. Raphael, Benjamin Meyer. And I, I just thought to myself, I cannot animate as good enough to like that th this game deserves. Because I animated the characters in Secret of the Swamp, mm -hmm. and they're okay. They're kind of bouncy and silly, and I, I did an okay job, but it was a lot of work. And then I thought, okay, really, we have to hire an expert for Tangle Tower because otherwise it will be the thing that lets the game down. So we hired Jonathan Harris, who's an incredibly skilled animator, and he knocked it out of the park. He's really good at hair and hands and all the things that are very hard to do, flowing capes, and he's amazing. So whose idea was it? Um, you know, the characters kind of have this wiggle about them, kind of like the squiggle vision. If if anyone ever watched like Doctor Cats, or oh, I love Doctor Cats, the show home movies. Yep. So whose idea was it to add that kind of like thick white outline look? Um, so we call the we call the squiggle the boil, which is what it's sometimes called in animation terms, where you mm -hmm. you boil something. And in fact, the cartoons that I made as a teenager, they were called the another another day cartoons. They were like a kind of squiggle vision style and they had a boil to them. And I would draw everything four or five times <laughs> just to make it wobble on screen. Mm. Um, but the upside of that is that it means that nothing ever sits still and looks too stationary, like it's like it's died. Yeah. So it gives the characters a sense of like being alive and kind of breathing. And uh, when we approached Tangle Tower, the, the art style had thick outlines and we thought, oh great, we should boil them. And then it was a case of, that's a ridiculous amount of work. We can't do this. <laughs> and so Tom had a solution for us that he came up with. Yeah. So I just sort of went, well, hold on. If you're literally just trying to shove the image around four times, you know, in a loop, 
mm-hmm. and you're achieving that by just redrawing it. Well, can't I just redraw it in code a little bit, just enough to give that same effect? So yeah, just sort of bosh together a system with using some noise that's sort of continuous Perlin noise at a couple of different octaves so that some of it pinches the lines and some of it does larger shifts of the lines. So you get that feeling that it's been redrawn quickly by hand. And the upside is that you don't have to just have four different versions of it in a loop because I think you, you can definitely spot when that happens in, in animations where that is the case. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's completely random every time. So you get, you know, there's no two frames. No two people will ever see the two same frames of Tangle Tower characters in the world. It just, it won't happen. <laughs> so it's wild. And, and then it, it, it saved a lot of time and we got to really fine control it as well. Adam could tweak the exact values over and over again without having to redraw every animation over and over again. So even right up until the end, we were sort of able to fine tune that to, to within an inch of its life. And then the, the outline effect, same thing, same shader, just do do both at the same time. And that allowed, allowed us to have the characters sit on any background mm. and not have to worry about the character colors being too close to the background colors, especially... Clashing with each other. Right, especially Grimoire and Sally, who do move about between the, the, the areas. Mm-hmm. You can put them on any background. If they have that big, thick, white outline separating them, then it, they still pop. They can still sit anywhere. I call it a Paper Mario sticker outline, because that's what it makes me think of. Ah. Yeah, I mean, and obviously, you know, the, the animation turned out fantastic. The characters look good and very fluid, but... Let's just talk about from a story standpoint, how do you guys approach a mystery, you know, writing a mystery? Do you start at the end and then work your way back to the beginning? Does it just kind of, uh, you know, do you make it up as you go with puzzles and clues or what's what's your approach? I would say for Tangle Tower, and this is maybe this will sound really unprofessional, but we just start with a list of cool stuff we wish was in the game. So I would literally start with like the idea of a setting, like what if there was a weird house? Like that's it. <laughs> and then, oh, there could be weird rooms like an aviary and a greenhouse and an astronomy tower. And then it's a case of what are some fun types of characters that you would like to see in a fantasy cartoon world? And then you just start drawing ideas for characters and honestly i'll admit this that happens before any story exists and i'm not saying that we design the characters and then write the story to match them i'm saying that we start drawing them and then after you have a couple of ideas floating around you then write a story for them to be sort of built into gotcha and then you finish there and then you design all the characters all over again once you know what's actually going to happen in the game so yeah (laughs) Wow. What's, what would be fun to draw, basically? Yeah. <laughs> what would be fun to draw? What would be fun to see? That's how we prioritize it, I think. And the, the same thing with the mystery as well, right? The, um, the, the mystery hook itself sort of came about as, you know, thinking what would be cool up front. No, no, you know, no thought to how it how it would work. <laughs> in, oh, fact, it, in fact, the the less sort of standard and obvious how it would work, the better. Just what yeah. would be an interesting, like one sentence description of the of the mystery of the murder mystery itself. Right. We we call it the impossible hook, and in Detective Grimoire: Secret of the Swamp, the opening sort of gambit of the of the game is 
oh, the lead suspect is a mythological creature that probably doesn't exist. So Grimoire is like, oh, that's an impossible mystery. What am I going to do? And it's a, <laughs> it's a good opening hook for a game. Right. So when we were doing Tangle Tower, I honestly was like, we have to have something that is the equivalent of this. Otherwise, the beginning of the game will be boring. So that's where we ended up with the lead suspect is a painting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you guys have said that there is another entry in this series that's currently in the works. Is that correct? When did we say that? <laughs> I think we, we we did mention it at some point in an indie world. No, oh, did we? In the Nintendo world, I think, or Nintendo. One of the folks we talked to uh, yeah. a, a while ago, we sort of said, oh, yeah, we'll We'll make another one one day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's what it's on the official Wikipedia website, you know, so I didn't know. Yeah, there you go. Wow. It's got to be true. And in March 2020, the SFB Games announced they were in the process of writing the next entry in the series, which would not be called Tangle Tower 2. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> I said that. Okay. Yeah, we wouldn't call it Tangle Tower 2. I, I think uh, Yeah. it would be a fresh thing. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like I said, the priority for us is is exciting, unique, memorable locations and characters. So it would very much be something as, as new as possible from from Tangle Tower, because that we kind of did that. That was we did that. So yeah. So is this just something that you guys are kind of knocking around ideas at this point, or I don't know how much you can say, obviously, but how far along I guess is this uh, next game potentially? Uh, Tom, what do you want to say? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Tom's admin. I'll let him deal with it. We have nothing to announce at this time. Uh, <laughs> this is our official line. But we're very, very busy, and we have been busy for some time. So don't yes. assume that we've been sitting around doing nothing since Tangle Tower but, was released. Yes, currently nothing to announce. <laughs> All right, it's going to be the Detective Grimoire meets Snipper Clips uh, crossover that everyone's been. Oh yeah, been hoping for. Just have to ask <laughs> Nintendo if we're allowed to do that. We've been rumbled. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, where can people find you guys if if they need to find you online for, you know, Detective Grimoire questions or uh, other such things? Uh, I'm primarily just on Twitter at SFBDim. Uh, we have a website as well, sfbgames.com, where our Twitters are linked and you can see our games linked to the various Steam pages and stuff like that. So I'm on Twitter as Ungerpants. And I'm on Instagram as Catherine Unger Art. Uh, and I'm, I'm pretty much just on Twitter as well, uh, at SFB Tom. Is there anything that you guys want people to keep an eye out for or any games that you've recently worked on? I know, Catherine, you released a game, uh, Gibbon Beyond the Trees, right? Yeah, so um, I released uh, re- recently released a game with Broken Rules, um, where I was the art director um, for a, it's a little game about a gibbon that's surviving the effects of human impact in the jungle and it's to raise awareness for gibbons as well so yeah give it a play it's awesome that's for the switch pc and apple arcade i believe yes it looks i mean it looks fantastic it's very colorful and the fact that it's tied into you know real world issues is just a a great bonus guys what about you tom adam anything that that people should be looking into the only thing I've I've semi-announced is that I'm also making a, a horror survival game because I love uh-huh. that genre so much. So I'm kind of making that on my own terms and my own time. Um, nothing nothing official about it at all on the internet yet, but I am making a horror survival game. There are, there are pictures out there if there you are, yes. care to hunt. <laughs> I promise I'll talk about it soon. It's going to be really cool. Yep. Very nice. 
Very nice. All right. Well, thank you guys all for coming on. I really appreciate the insight into Tangle Tower. I'm sure there's a lot more that we could have gotten into. And uh, I know that a lot of people out there are fans of Detective Grimoire looking forward to uh, potentially more mysteries and adventures. So thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. That's all for now. Thanks for listening. Our intro and outro music was crafted by talented chiptune composer Jamatar. You can find more of his bangin' beats by searching Jamatar, that's J-A-M-A-T-A-R, on Spotify or visiting Jamatar.com. This episode and every episode in Season 8 was edited by audio superstar Mikey Yankovich. If you have any feedback on the podcast or would like to recommend a topic, feel free to reach out to us via Twitter, at MemCardShow. Or you can visit our website, memorycardshow.com. If you'd like to follow Ben and I, we can be found at SuperBenTendo and at PushDustin, respectively. Have you considered supporting Memory Card on Patreon? If not, we hope you will. Currently, we're supported by quite a few awesome people, all of which get access to early, ad-free episodes. These people include Jackson Bertoli, Courtney Cotton, Taylor Bias, Cody Sam, Michael Strickland, Jorge Bajija, Manuel Vitella, Shala, Sandra L, Nick Callis, Jaehoon Jeong, Sean Marafini, and Joseph Bayer. All of our Patreon info can be found on the support section of our website or on patreon.com slash memcard. We'll be back really soon with some more gaming history goodness, so be sure to subscribe and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you soon.